Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. This is Monica. And this is Paula. Welcome to Entre Dos. A podcast about raising bilingual children. Sisters Janique and Alexis Ruhini started their own small book press when they realized there was a lack of Spanish language books for young children in the U.S. Veoleo published its first book, Donde Está el Coqui, in 2018, and it's currently working on two new books aimed at bilingual little ones. In this episode, we talked to Alexis about their business and their current efforts to bring enjoyable activities to kids and families who are staying home due to COVID-19. If you're not familiar with Veoleo, follow them on Instagram at veoleo.co and consider supporting them by pre-ordering their two upcoming books. Now let's go to the interview. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we would love it if you could talk a little bit about Veoleo. Tell us about, you know, how it came about and and the work that you do. Veoleo Press was born when we noticed a huge hole in the market for children's books. So Veoleo was founded by me and my sister, Janique. And Janique had an eight-month-old baby at the time. And I bought my nephew a book. And I was so excited that I had seen something in Spanish that I grabbed it, I paid for it, I mailed it. And when Jen, Janique lives in Atlanta and I live in New York. So the next time I saw her, she said, oh, you know, did you, did you see, you know, what was up with that book? And I said, no, because in my, in my sheer joy of finding something in Spanish, I just mailed it to you. And she said, well, the words are like the words they've chosen are a bit weird. So so this started this whole conversation because she was telling me about how she had been noticing this for a while. And that's when she said, you know, I think that there's this opportunity here. And the more we started to to talk about it, the more we just kind of circled back to our own childhood and like our different experiences as adults. And, and we thought to ourselves, you know, we can, we have a specific vision for this. We have a specific mission mission. There's a huge Latin, like Latinx and Latin American market in the United States, there are millions of people trying to transmit this idea of culture and heritage and language, because the entire point for a lot of people for teaching the for teaching the language is to be able to teach cultural and heritage aspects, and and so we just decided to go for it. I mean, we we figure that we could do it, that we could do it well, and that we could pay homage not only to um, the idea of Latin America has a one cohesive unit, but that we could celebrate our our differences and like the diversity in our heritage by celebrating all of us. So there's there's a balance between how we want to celebrate Latin America and the and Latinx the Latinx community um, without erasing the fact that we all do come from very different experiences. That's awesome. And did you guys have any previous background in, for example, writing a children's book? No, no experience whatsoever. Um, Janique has written short stories before, and I have always been very encouraging of her. I always thought that they were amazing. 
but I, I definitely didn't. Um, she had worked a little bit in publishing before she got her PhD and I'm a lawyer. So we really didn't have any sort of experience with the publishing industry or writing professionally. So what was that process like? I mean, did you guys rely on maybe other parents or friends or, or, you know, as you were developing your first book, Donde Esta Coqui, and I know you're working on two more, um, but um, tell us a little bit about how that, that experience was for you guys. So we, I think we work collaboratively really, really well. I think that we go back and forth. We had um, a bunch of different ideas for, for the first book. So we actually do have maybe I would say five to seven books written to different degrees. And at one point we just chose whichever one was the strongest of the first batch and that was El Coqui. So a lot of it goes back and forth between me and Jenny having conversations that, that are like, well, wouldn't it be great if this happened? Or wouldn't it be great if, you know, X, Y, Z happened, if we can communicate why? And then Janique kind of takes whatever we both talk about and then she makes it into great child-friendly questions. <laughs> Sorry, not questions, sentences. And then um, after we had like a, basically like the rough draft or the first, yeah, the rough final draft of, of El Coqui, we asked both friends of ours who are mothers but we also asked family members and friends who are experts in early childhood education. So they were the ones who really geared us in the right way and kind of validated what we were doing by saying, you know, this is the sort, like, this is why this works, right? Like, this is why it works that you guys have a repetitive and simple sentence structure, because this is the way a child in this age, you know, would learn language. And this is what you're modeling for that child. So we learned a lot from the people that we asked, but it, in general, the, the writing process was, was incredibly straightforward. That's that's kind of like really um nice to hear, you know, in terms of of that your your experience. You are very talented, but you just kind of dove into um an industry that you didn't really have a background in and you are you have success. You have found success at it. That's awesome. <laughs> We love to hear this because it can be it can be really intimidating for some people to do something like that and and it's just nice to hear stories that, you know, of success. I agree. I mean, I, for me, it's incredibly motivating to hear other people's stories. I mean, NPR has this great podcast that's called How I Built This. And that's something that I've been listening to on and off for years, but it really validated what we already thought about starting a business, right? It's it's not that we know what we're doing better than anybody else. It's just that we're putting one foot in front of the other and we're figuring it out. So we're able to ask questions. We're able, you know, kind of to tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, can, you know, can you walk me through X, Y, and Z? So we really started without any information has to, or any experience about how to get a book off the ground or get a publishing company off the ground like that, you know, and there's been learning moments. Um, but, but in, yeah, it, it definitely has been very fast, very straightforward and, and just about putting one foot in front of the other. So now fast forward, we're all in this COVID-19, um, vortex. Yes, Vortex. And um, we noticed that, you know, as soon as kind of this started ramping up where people were talking about, you know, school cancellations and staying at home, you guys kind of jumped into action and, and starting off with a call for Latino illustrators to submit coloring sheets for families at home. So tell us about that and kind of like, was this just something that popped into your head when this happened? Or did you guys kind of talk about it and... and And tell us about how you wanted to support families, I suppose, at home. Right. So 
I guess, I mean, I have been very on top of the school shutdowns because my mom is a teacher. And I was very torn for a while there because I understood the rationale between behind New York City and LA not wanting to shut their school districts. And when it finally happened, it was what, Friday the 13th? I think that's when LA and New York officially closed. And and I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, we have these coloring sheets ready to go. You know, they've never been posted online. They're free because they were subsidized by another event that we had already had. So I said, let's just, you know, let's just post this. And then I started to think more and I said, well, please, I also, I mean, I'm in, in a lot of contact with a lot of different Latino artists. And I guess one of the first things that came to the fore when all of this happened was that they started to talk about how they had already had most of their freelance projects canceled. So that's when I was like, oh, you know, this is this is just bad all around, right? Like it's and and the coloring sheets was such an easy way to unite the community around something that was a win-win. So I I put out the call for the Latinx artists and it was great. Like we got a great response. People started forwarding us work. I contacted some people and everybody was game. Everybody said, you know, yes, when do you need them? I said, basically now. And they said, okay, fine. <laughs> um, and they said, we will, you know, we'll get to it. And so this was Friday afternoon. By Saturday morning, some people were still reaching out. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. But we we went with the three, with the first three people that we, you know, that we, we met and everything is great because we had set aside a budget for it, right? Like we had done the math and we said, this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to be able to propose this to the community has something that, is free. This is not the time. This is the time to help, right? This isn't a time to say, oh, you know, you're, you're at home and you need something like, let me sell this to you. And we knew that we could also pump out a lot of content, right? So we introduced La Sopa de Letras de la Abuelita. And that was something that I did because I was thinking of my grandmother who is stuck in a nursing home right now because she was there for rehab and now she's alone. And Sopa de Letras is something that we love to do together. So now there's all these Sopa de Letras on the website. But so going back to the coloring sheets, um, artists started to reach out. And when I would have the discussion with them about budget, that's when some of them would say, well, I, I'll give you work anyway, right? Like I have stuff done. All I need to do is convert it into black and white so that it becomes a coloring sheet. Would you take that? And I said, yes, you know, of, of course, you know, like if I can share my platform with you, then that would be amazing. And the ones that we commissioned or the things that we have created are all set to zero or their pay as you wish. But the ones that people have kind of quote unquote lent to us for this time are on the website just at zero. But that's so that's basically how we went from having three artists to having eight. But it's been amazing because we've met people from from everywhere and everyone has coalesced around our our mission. They believe in what we're trying to do and they believe that this is a time, it's a time to rally and to be there for other people. So it's been, I mean, it's just been a, a great time of generosity. Alex, you've also done um, some virtual events uh, through mostly um, in Instagram and Zoom, right? Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that and also, um, about the response and also um now that you have a few of these things under your belt right what are your tips in terms of how to hold virtual events because i feel like this is going to be the new normal 
moving forward? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to give tips out. I think I'm still <laughs> happy to receive <laughs> because that maybe lessons really... learned. Well, I, lessons I, learned. I mean, I think that when it comes to to tips about doing online events, I think it's so it's been so stressful for me because the last thing I want is to exclude a segment of the community of our community, right? Like, I don't want anybody coming to me and saying, "Oh, but." I don't, I don't understand Zoom or I've never used Zoom before. And then I just don't want to do anything that inadvertently becomes like a gatekeeper to who can participate and who cannot. But at the same time, I want to deliver a quality event and I want people to be comfortable. And I don't think that, for example, you know, Instagram Live is always the best route. Is it easy? Yes. Is it accessible? Yes. Can anybody do it? Yes. But at the end of the day, you probably have two or three kids at home that are crouched around one one tiny screen, right? So to backtrack a little bit to talk about the events that we that we've had, we did we've done two two story times and we did a Q&A with an engineer from NASA which was amazing. And the story time that we had earlier today was with Joanna Hausman and the way those, you know, the way those came around was again just coming back to this, you know, spirit of generosity that we're seeing I um I just reached out to both of them. <laughs> um, I'm friends with Joanna. I didn't really know Elio Morillo, but I DM'd him. And I said, I had DM'd him last Sunday. So Sunday, March 22nd. And I said, and I said, hey, <laughs> I said, hey, would you be down to do a Q&A for kids? And he said, yeah, of course. And I said, okay. And I said, what about this Wednesday? And he said, yes, done. <laughs> and it was, and it was great. I mean, it was just so fast. And, and he was the one actually that said, look, I think over Zoom, um, you know, this makes a little bit more sense. And then I, I was like, oh, oh my God, like we're going to need, we're going to need a, a business account with Zoom and we don't have one. And that's not in our budget. So that forced us to to think about you know who we could possibly team up with and then it was just fortuitous all of a sudden i i'm part of thickadia which is for latinx in tech and i got an email from them for an event and at the bottom of their registration page i saw hosted on zoom so i reached out to the founder of thickadia and i said would you be interested in co-hosting this event with a engineer from nasa and he was like, well, of course. So, so I said, he said, well, when would you like to do it? And I said, this Wednesday at 2 p.m. And he said, okay. So, so that's, I mean, that's literally how quickly it came together. And with John, I was the same thing. We were texting about something else. And I said, hey, you know, are you, are you interested in doing this? And she said, yeah, of course. Like, of course I'll do a story time. Like, that sounds awesome. So, so again, everything was done very, very quickly because I also think that time is of the essence, right? I think right now is not a time to to focus necessarily on having the perfect marketing strategy or um you know like the prettiest image to circulate the information for your event i don't that's really not what it's about right now i think right now is just producing the highest quality content you can under these circumstances and then distributing it and 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 that's that's kind of like the best thing you can do and i think that everyone is so vigilant looking for good content that everyone is doing a really good job of, of sharing um, and, and like sharing your information and telling other people. So a lot of it becomes word of mouth. Yeah, that's true. Do you do you already have other stuff planned or is it come, kind of coming together? 
like like all the like these other events have come together which i know that you know a lot of times that's just how things happen <laughs> and get done right so i think sometimes i work very well under this sort of pressure and i am very good at saying i have this idea i found somebody who to execute it with you know let's do it this week because I, you know i get excited by the idea and i want to share it as soon as possible and i'm trying to take a step back and say and think you know this is I think we're finding our rhythm as a society as we go through this quarantine, you know? So for example, the story time last week was maybe a little bit more needed than the one this week, because this week remote learning has come into play already. So I think we have a little bit more of, of breathing room. So the next, the next event that we have scheduled is an art class with one of the artists who did one of our coloring sheets. She's, her name is Patricia Hernandez and she is an artist and a muralist from El Salvador who lives in Atlanta. So she's gonna, she, you know, she contacted me again and she said, you know, I, I really believe in what you're doing. Um, is there any way that I can help? She said, can I do a story time? And then I was like, well, no, I don't want you to do a story time. I want you to do a paint class, like a painting class. You know, how much fun would that be if, if everybody can just set up their kids at home and there's an artist online speaking to them in Spanish about how, you know, yellow and, and blue make green. So, so, I, so that's the next one. But that also came up, that also happened in a very organic way. That'll be fun. I feel like of all the things that are happening online now, um, I'm sure you've heard because so many people have shared the lunch doodles with Mo Willems. And that is the one thing that Emilia asks me for every day. She now knows it's at noon and she's like, is it time for Mo? And it's just, you know, a quick 25 minutes of drawing or doodling. And, and I mean, he's pretty engaging, but it's just interesting to me. It's interesting how of all these other things that she's seen, um, she tends to like have really enjoyed the the art classes i guess because they can be doing something while they're watching i feel like we did the the nasa q a and she actually enjoyed that and she's very excited that you asked her question <laughs> oh really? yes yes because so, in some other things we've asked questions and they don't get to them so she was very excited and that that night she told my parents about it you know did you know that the rover will leave in July and won't make it to Mars in February. And it was totally like her. So I know that it stuck with her because she's talking about it later. That's just, um, but so, so that, for example, that's, now that you mentioned that, right, like that, that is actually how some events are coming together that I'm getting immediate feedback from parents. So since the NASA Q and A, I had so many parents emailing me saying, you know, like, where's the YouTube link? Where's the YouTube link? I need the YouTube link. Like, my kid won't leave me alone until I get this YouTube link. And then they rewatched it. Right. And then they rewatched it. And because, I mean, during the Q&A, at one point we peaked with like 90 families watching. And I think there was a total of maybe 80 questions submitted. And we definitely did not get through 80 questions. So... And since then, other than like the, the feedback and requesting for YouTube, what we have also gotten is a lot of people sending us in the drawings that their, their kids are still doing. And one of the kids actually like ran home and he made his own rover. So I, so I sent it to, to, to Elio and, and I said, Elio, mira, like this, isn't this great? And he gets really excited and he said, you know what? I'm gonna make drawing prompts. He said, let's work together. 
let's do like, like longer term challenges that kids can work on. And we can challenge them to, you know, to do this drawing stuff. And I said, okay, <laughs> yeah, like why, why not? Let's do it. So little by little, there's just so many ideas. And the longer that we're in this, you know, unfortunate position, I think maybe we'll figure out what, what makes the most sense for, for us. And, and maybe we'll just stick to one thing. But right now it's just been about finding, finding the stuff that we can do, that we can do well, that we can execute quickly and making sure that it has like the Latinx aspect to it, the Spanish aspect to it, and that it's fun. We want it to be fun. We want this to be able to be that we want this to be something where the kids enjoy it. And if they're still learning, like that's a plus. But we don't want this to feel like homework. So we don't want to do math sheets in Spanish. We want we want them to be able to have fun with whatever they're doing, but still be learning something about their culture and their heritage. Yeah, And one thing that a lot of um, these digital activities have shown us is that kids really crave structure and also interaction, right? Um, like what Paula was saying about Amelia, where she felt like someone was listening to her, right? Outside of her parents <laughs> and actually answered her question. Uh, that's something that with my daughter is the same thing with these digital events. I think she does best whenever she feels like maybe she's being seen or heard at one point, because that's what they're missing. They're stuck at home. You know, they, they need that sort of that that sort of community feeling. So these events are, are providing that the structure for the parents, too, because, hey, guess what? On this day at noon, you're going to do be, you're going to be doing this. It's hard to do those things um, on your own when the day sort of blends into the next. <laughs> so this is actually really, really nice to have maybe one or two things to do a day that are a certain time and you're going to be sitting in front of the computer and maybe there's a camera on you. So you have to maybe put a nice T-shirt on <laughs> and, and, you know, and then you it, it creates sort of it divides the day. It creates a little bit of normalcy. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, we are really grateful that that you're providing um, opportunities for this, having kids at home and seeing them go through this, you know, um, and, up, and knowing that they don't fully understand what's happening. Um, it's 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 comforting to at least see them smile. And um, you're in New York, right? Yes, I'm in New York. My sister is in Atlanta. And the what's interesting about uh, the coronavirus is that I think because parents all over the world are in the same position, our network has all of a sudden stretched out, you know, to Sweden and, you know, or at least as far as Sweden, as we can tell, we've had some people come in from Australia to talk to us. So that has been, that's been enormous for us, but it's also been another challenge in scheduling these events. So for example, the you know the mom that's in california doesn't necessarily she's not necessarily crazy about the fact that our events are usually around 10 30 right but i i'm aware of when nap time happens and i i want to be able to fit that sort of structure as well so for story time i think we've settled on 10 30 10 30 is early enough on the east coast where they're not cranky before nap time it's very early on, on the West Coast, so they can be having breakfast if you know screen time is allowed with breakfast. And in the UK, they can be having like a mid-lunch snack. So it works out really. It works out really well. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. 
(laughs) You have learned something. You have a lot of tips and lessons. Well, I think, I mean, we've learned, I've learned also though that, I mean, like for example, I've learned that the Q&A function in Zoom is very cool. (laughs) That's very helpful and that I would use it again. But I also think that that Instagram live might be like where it's at, <laughs> like no matter the the cons to it, like that's really might be our best, our best bet just because you, you can interact with, with whatever the, the kids or the parents are texting you while you're talking. Yeah. And it's pro- like you said, it might be more accessible to some, to some extent, although I feel like everybody has to use Zoom these days for something. <laughs> and um, Alexis, just to, to close out the, the interview, um, we wanted to ask you for um, any advice that you might have for bilingual families that are at home right now. I think mostly from what I see friends going through, I, I would say to just be very forgiving if the bilingual aspect of your normal routine isn't holding up. So if, you know, if the kids are stressed out because their routine has changed and you're stressed out because all of a sudden they're home and your routine has changed, then I would say um, that certain rules that we would have advocated before, right? Like before we would have said, hey, try your best to speak in Spanish all the time. Um, then then that probably goes out the window, right? Just do do the best you can. And conversely, if other rules are being loose, loosened, uh, like if screen time is being, being something, is, <clears throat> is something that's being loosened, then then, then pile on the Spanish with the screen time, right? Just try to find a balance that works for now. Like hopefully this won't last forever and then you'll be able to go back to whatever routine you had. But right now, just make whatever works also work for the bilingual aspect of your of your plans. Thank you, Alexis, for speaking with us on this episode. Make sure you follow Veoleo on Instagram at veoleo.co for the latest updates on events and activities. You can also visit them at their website, veoleo.co, that's C-O, not com, to download their coloring sheets and for other resources. As always, stay in touch with us in our Facebook community or Instagram. We're here to help with suggestions and moral support. And if you like what you hear, share Entre Dos with a friend. It would be really helpful. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. Nos vemos.